Thanks for tuning in to McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast need to check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. And good morning. My name is Mike McNamara, and you are listening to McNamara on Money. All righty. And I think we are Zooming today. My co-host, favorite son-in-law, who's somewhat under the weather and not in studio this morning. I believe Mr. Kirk Reed is Zooming. Are you there, Kirk? I'm here. All right. Geez, it sounds like you're next door here. Your audio is really good, huh? Does it? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Hey, sorry a little under the weather, but glad you're keeping me company here this morning, okay? I'm happy that I'm uh, here. You may have to put a leash on me for the the next couple hours here, so just you be the straight man. I'll take care of everything else, okay? Okay. All righty. You got the outline I get to you last night, right? I do. Is this going to be fun or what? Huh? (laughs) I I know that you're going to... Yes, restraint will be required. Okay, so... Let's see. So, folks, if you've listened to the show before, we talk about a lot of subjects. And most of the time that we're on the air, we're talking about things that relate to what you do in your financial life. And hopefully you'll learn a few things and you're better off for it. It is rare that we talk about the big picture and stuff that's going on. But it's been such a scary couple of weeks in the United States financial markets with banks folding and all kinds of stuff that I thought we'd spend some time today looking at the, the big picture about what's going on in the country and and with regard to banks, trying to give some folks some perspective about what's going on and how safe your money is and a few other things. I'm, let's see, there's a pretty good chance that in the next two hours, I'm going to be teeing off on a dumb government to some dumb banks and maybe some folks who should be paying more attention to their money, but not going to get political. Let me be clear about this. We don't do politics here. At Republicans, Senate, President, my humble comment is that about 90% of the folks who've ever been in office, regardless of party, are not very financially smart and that as a country, we're paying for that now and we'll pay for that later if we're not careful. So if you're going to call the show today, we're not going to tee off on one party or the other. We're teeing off on all of them. It seems as though who's ever in, in the driver's seat gets to spend money and do what they want and who's ever not in the driver's seat gets to criticize them and say they should be financially responsible. But those chairs change as things go down the road. So we're not doing Democrats, Republicans. We're not going to tee off on individual people. I am going to tee off on the government in general and past governments and the predicament that we're in financially. And I am going to tee off on banks. And I'm going to tee off on a lot of folks out there listening to us that should be more responsible and more knowledgeable about their money. So that's where I'm going here. Okay, uh, we're going to have open lines in a little while, but I want to, I've got a very long outline. I may not even get halfway through this and I don't care, but I think I'm going to start the show off on how banks operate, okay, so that people should understand. And then when I get through there, okay, we'll go to callers and see where you want to go. But the whole idea here is the world falling apart. What do I do with my money? What's going on? Is social security safe? Folks, we're going to try to put that all in perspective for you and sit back and 
take a deep breath, okay? And if you want to give us a call, that would be absolutely fine. All right, so here we go. On the West Coast, oh no, we're going to talk about bank, how banks make money first, okay? So here's the deal, folks, okay? A bank is a business, okay? And that business, it has two parts. There are people who give money to the bank. I'm going to call them depositors or lenders. And then the bank turns around and takes most of that money and loans it out to people or institutions or governments, as we'll see in a moment, okay? So it's pretty simple, okay? If I'm the bank, there are people lending me money. They're called depositors. They put money in checking accounts. They put money in savings accounts. They buy certificates of deposit. Okay, those are my customers, but depositor equals lender to the bank. Okay, the bank is sitting there and they take in all those dollars. What does the bank do with those dollars? First of all, they're in business to make a... Don't lose sight of that, folks. They turn around and they become the lender by making loans to folks. And whether it's car loans or mortgages or personal loans or whether it's... There's a whole bunch of different ways to do that, but that's what they're doing. Okay, and so money comes into the bank and you are paid as a depositor equals lender to the bank, X amount, depending on the times and the circumstances. And then the bank says, we got to turn around and invest that money to make a profit. By the way, by law, approximately 10% of the money that they take in, they have to keep on hand for people who are need money for paying bills and stuff. And about 90% of the money is lent out in other places. So at any given time, folks, okay, only 10% of all the money that the bank manages is actually on hand in the safe so that you walk in and get 50 bucks out of the cash machine or this, that, or the other thing. If there's only 10% of the banks, that could present some problems sometime down the road because there's never enough. So at any given time, the bank doesn't have all the money that the depositors have. And I hope I'm explaining that, okay? But that's basically how it works, okay? So uh, let me give you some current rates and we'll have a good chuckle about this. By the way, I research my brains out for the show for the last week and I have so many I'm not making up the information but I'm not going to bother to tell you where I got it I have it on file here if anybody wants to quiz me after the show but so by the way the as of March 8th okay the national average for a bank savings department was uh, interest rate was 0.23% okay on average, bank savings rate. Yeah, think about that. How exciting is that, Kirk? 0.23%. Okay, and then, by the way, money market funds, a little bit different than savings, not getting into that there. Okay, at the bank, 0.48%. Okay, so these are averages, folks. I didn't make those numbers up. Okay, that's what they're... So if you lent your money to the bank, that's what they're paying you. Quarter of a percent, maybe if you're lucky and smart and look around a half a percent, maybe more. Okay, so here's the deal. Now they take that money and they turn around. Okay, here are some <laughs> here are some national averages. It's a heck of a business. So the average 30-year mortgage, 6.96%. Let me see. I pay you a half a percent, and I lend it out at 6.96. I'm liking that. Okay, let's see. Average home equity line of credit. HELOCs, as they say in the banking business. You probably borrowed some money on that to fix up your home or take a vacation, hopefully not, or whatever. Average HELOC interest rate, 
7.86%. Huh. Pay you a half a percent, go lend it out at 7.86. Sounds like a good business. Average car loan across the country right now, 6.07. That's for a new car. If you have a pre-owned vehicle, okay, 10.26% is the loan rate, okay, for that across the country. Okay, so are you following this so far, folks? Okay, okay, yeah, think about this, okay. So that's how they're set up, okay, Things have to make money, okay? They have to make profits. I'm all for that, okay? But that's generally how they all operate, okay? For purposes of this discussion, the key point is that of 100% of the money that the bank takes in, there's only 10% sitting in the bank and the rest is out doing stuff. And they can't get their hands on that. If more than 10% of the folks want their money out of the bank on any given day, that would be a bad thing. And that's happened a couple of times in the last couple of weeks, folks. Okay, so far? All right. So anyway, so the bank vehicles for paying you interest, checking, savings, CDs, and money market funds. Okay, when the bank takes your money and turns it around and lends it, mortgages, home equity lines of credit, car loans, personal loans, college loans. Okay, now one other piece. Besides lending Okay, your money to these people and institutions and businesses, by the way. Okay, sometimes the banks buy government bonds. Okay, so I'm going to make this up so that you understand the concept. Okay, let's see. I'm paying somebody a half a percent. Right now, a 30-year United States government bond pays a little north of 4%. Let's see. That's what a deal. I, I, and they're guaranteed by the government. I'll, if you gave me $100,000, I'll take 90% of that, okay? And I'll go buy $90,000 worth of government bonds paying 4%. Yep, guess they're going to make money on that deal sort of a thing. Okay, besides formally loaning money to people, businesses, institutions, college kids, whatever, okay, they loan the money to the U.S. government by buying a bond. You buy a bond, folks, you're, you just became a lender. So that's how they function, okay? We'll get into how this mess got created on the West Coast, but that's basically how they work. Okay, so a couple more things about banks, okay? So by government edict law, Okay, big banks, and I think they're like north of $250 million in assets, they have to have 10%, okay, of the money set aside for reserves. Got to have reserves. By the way, insurance companies work the same way, folks. We give the insurance company money, they take out and lend out most of it, but they have to keep some of it on hand to pay claims. It's just business, folks. So the cool thing about banks, from a bank's point of view, is that the federal government guarantees some of their business. Okay, which is comforting and a good idea. I'm real clear about that. And it is called the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation Insurance. You put money in a bank, okay, the first $250,000 of that money is insured by the government, okay, and you can't lose that money. Okay, so it's called the FDIC for short, okay, and officially all banks have to pay a percentage every year to the FDIC to keep that thing going. So the banks are theoretically, I'm going to get to the real world in a while here, the banks are theoretically, they are contributing money, okay, to the FDIC. It's a certain percentage. I don't know what it is, okay, but they, and that money 
most years, most of the time, is enough to bail out a bank or two or three that might go belly up in Peoria or Hawaii or whatever sort of a thing. Okay? So hopefully this is okay so far, but that's basically how they work, folks. Okay? Okay, so the, the good news is that having that insurance, okay, allows people some safety and peace of mind. The bad news is, and I will elaborate on this in great detail, is if you focus in on the guarantee, you don't think too much about putting your money in the bank, and you don't think too much about, well, is this a good bank or a bad bank, or how's their business profile? Because it's guaranteed, I have a problem with that, okay, because it makes folks stupid and not care or not think about what's going on behind the sidelines. And one of the macroeconomic points I'm going to make about an hour and a half from now is we all have responsible for our own lives and our own money, and a lot of us have gotten lax about that in, in terms of the circumstances. But anyway, so FDIC, great idea, keeps banks functioning. They're an important part of the whole financial system. Okay, there's... In rea- and, and there have not been any problems until it really hits the fan. And folks, it hits the fan once in a while, like last week. Okay, of every $100 that anybody listening to me has in an insured bank account right now, there is $1.27 in the FDIC's reserve account. Okay, so think about that, folks. We, they have reserves as well. If more than 1.27% of all the money in banks, if people want to walk in and take it out of there, there ain't no more money in the reserves and things get dicey. Okay, and that's what's happened on the West Coast. Okay, and so, folks, th- this is how banks operate. We need them, okay, because of interesting times. I'll get to this a little later on, okay. What the banks are paying now is stupid. Even when interest rates are low, they haven't rise. Interest rates have gone higher, folks, but what banks are paying their depositors hasn't changed much. Some are, okay. But if you look around, when they rose interest rates, mortgage rates went up. So all the money that the banks lend out, They've increased those rates with interest rates, but they haven't increased the the rate that they're paying investors. I might touch back on that a couple of times going forward. So that's the deal. By the way, this is a bit of a disconnect there. Huh? A bit of a disconnect. You think so? Okay. So, folks, this is a call-in talk radio show. Again, we're not teeing off on politicians in general. I'm teeing off on the government and every poli- and 90% of all the politicians who have ever held office who have not been too smart about our finances. And we'll get to that a little bit little later on here. Kirk, any, anything you want to add to that? Or? I guess just like questions. Like you said about that they keep money 10%, right, yep. that they have to keep. Yep. Is that like on hand, like in like physical yes. in building? Yes, real like real live money in the safe. Yes, real live cash yep. in the safe yep. in the building. Yeah, yeah, because it just seems like so much of the world is digital these days. And I was like, how much real live cash do they actually have? Yeah, that, that, that is a government requirement. By the way, as an aside, and this gets a little, <laughs> I could write a book, but I'd probably get sued after the two thousand seven, eight, nine banking mess. They, we got whatever. The government made some new regulations. By the way, I'll get to that too. They always make new regulations and never accept flame for screwing it up themselves. I'm going to provide details, but the bottom line is that the government said, "Hey, we're going to have all banks hang on to 10% by law. Those are the reserves." In 2016, 17, okay, there was a lobbying effort 
okay, by smaller and mid-sized. By the way, banks had to have 10% and you had to have a stress test every year by the government to make sure you're financially sound. Okay, well, back in 2016-17, there was a lobbying effort that for medium and smaller banks changed that 10% to 3%. Okay, of reserves. Hello, knock, knock. They were complaining they'd be out of business if they had to put 10% of their money aside. And, by the way, besides the 3%, they weren't subject to stress tests by the FDIC. And, by the way, guess who was one of the main lobbyers for that at the time? The president of the Silicon Valley Bank. By the way, Kirk, who also sits on the Federal Reserve Board in California. Is that right? You want to think about that for a minute? He no longer sits on the Federal He was a member of the Federal Reserve Board in San Francisco until the day after the bank failed. Okay. Yeah, folks, we could talk about all kinds of stuff about that, but I'm moving on here, as they say. Okay, so anyway, so they dropped that that number for small banks down to 3%, and we go from there. All right. Okay. A couple other general comments about banks. If I'm lending out my loans, okay, in in the investment world, Kirk, we tell people about being diversified and having lots of stuff just to protect yourself. If you own one company that goes out of business in your portfolio, you're in trouble. If you own 400 and one goes out of business, you're probably okay. If you're lending out your money, you probably want to have a diversified loan portfolio as well. You probably don't want to get too funny. One of the problems, we'll get to it very shortly, it's actually, we're just about there. So this Silicon Valley Bank Okay, what happened? First of all, the huge percentage of the money that they lent out was to tech companies, bioscience companies, and startup companies. Okay, a, a, a little brave. A little, a, little, a, 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 a risk. Yeah, a risk quotient. N- yeah. N- non-diversified by a who? Any person with half, any bank with half a brain, there's a few of them, okay, would probably diversify. We'll do some car loans over here. We'll do some mortgages over there. We'll buy some government bonds over here. And oh yeah, we'll lend a few college kids some money. If you have 5,000 loans outstanding and 10 of them disappear, your life didn't change. Okay. But if you have the vast majority of your money, okay, in a very, very risky part of the world, including startup companies, yeah, it could lead to a little trouble sooner or later. So they were just dumb. Okay, plain and simple. Okay, so so the problem with that bank is they did not have a diversified portfolio of loans, and they did not have ten percent of the money there. Okay, yeah, and one more. I'll get to the bonds in a minute. Okay, and that's just a problem waiting to happen. Okay, and so the way that this unfolds is that let's see, interest rates are going higher. I'm a tech company. I'm just getting started. It's costing more and more to borrow money. I guess I'll use some of my savings at Silicon Valley Bank, take the money out of the bank to do that. So a few companies start to do that as interest rates run higher. And then there were two or three hedge funds and some other whistleblowers that said, hey, we think the Silicon Bank is a little shaky and some hedge funds and they encourage some of their, to, all of a sudden people are taking money out because they're a little shaky about mm. Silicon Valley Bank, okay? And that that's what the deal was there, folks, okay? By the way, if you only have three or 4% of what you need on hand and more and more people are demanding money, one of the first things they did is, oh, I'll just go sell the government. By the way, Silicon Valley did buy some government bonds, okay, with their money. 
The only problem is they bought long government bonds, not short government bonds. I'll come back to that in a moment, but the, to skip to the end, folks, okay, okay, the bonds that Silicon Valley Bank bought were a little smaller in value than they actually paid for them. In fact, mm-hmm. their bonds were $1.8 billion smaller than what they paid for the bonds. Couldn't hang on to them. They had to start selling the bonds to, to pay the depositors running out the door. So talk about a snowball. Talk about dominoes. That, that, that's how that all unfolded. We've got about a minute and a half for the break. Kirk, you have any questions on that or comment? It, this, it, they're stupid. Okay, by the way, folks, very shortly, and this is, I'm just going to explain it, but not get into detail. Okay, if you're a lender, okay, and you're lending money at 2%, if shorter-term government bonds are paying three, and longer-term government bonds are paying five, I'm going to do the five. Yeah, but if you did the three, you don't lose as much money when interest rates go higher. So insurance companies are pretty smart. They try to match their ongoing liabilities with bonds that line up that they'll never have to sell. Okay, Silicon Valley could have been less greedy and bought the 3% bond while they're paying to. And by the way, 3% bonds didn't go down much at all. But oh no, we'll reach out, get a little bit more risk and buy these higher bonds. Yeah, and they shrunk by $1.8 billion and need the money. Murphy's Law replies, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Mike McNamara. If you're looking for a financial advisor, start by asking him or her three questions. Number one, are you a certified financial planner practitioner? Number two, are you legally held to a fiduciary standard of care for your clients? And number three, do you only give financial advice and not sell investment products? These are all simple yes-no questions. If he or she doesn't answer yes quickly and starts talking, that's a no, and it's time to move on to another advisor. We're back. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money. And my favorite son-in-law, Kirk Reed, is keeping me company via Zoom this morning. You're still there, right? I'm still here. Uh, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Okay. I've been and I've been reading I've been reading a report on FDIC studies, trying to figure out how the heck they how they charge. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay, so folks, if you just tuned in, I'm teeing off on the government, not particular political parties. I'm teeing off on banks and a number of folks listening to us who need to be more responsible than maybe they have been when it comes to putting their money any place, including a guaranteed bank. Okay, this is a call and talk radio show. If you want to give us a call, it's 781-837-4900. And again, we will take no, I'm pointing fingers at the Democrats or the Republicans, I will take any call that has some governmental descriptions in general about problems. That's no, no worries there. But I don't want to get into the politics, folks. I want to get into how the government is not, they need to be smarter. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. So anyway, so the Silicon Valley Bank blow up. Let me see if I can dice it. A bank that was dumb and did not diversify their business, okay, a bank that was greedy, okay, and bought bonds guaranteed by the government that were very high interest rates, which means they went out far. When interest rates go up, 30-year bonds go down a whole heck of a lot more than a five-year bond, folks. That's just how it works. And so on a diversified, greedy portfolio and Okay, some dumb movements not to try to match up your assets with your liabilities as a bank. Okay, and then that's kind of where we sit. Okay, there was a run on that bank. 
okay, and went out of business. Okay, there's a couple other banks unfolding as we speak. But I want to hop into the government now. So let's go backwards. Okay, okay, so a few more things about the Silicon Valley Bank. Okay, okay, I did not mention the folks who own stock in the Silicon Valley Bank. And I did not mention the folks who own bonds, where they lent their money to the Silicon Valley Bank as a bondholder, not as a depositor. There's a difference. So the stock and the bondholders of Silicon Valley Bank, I'm thinking they're losing all or most of their money. And that's as it should be, folks, okay? The world is completely full of all kinds of risks when it comes to your money. You have to do your homework. You have to stay on top of things. You have to think about it. And by the way, you probably should own more than one stock in your life to be okay. But, okay, capital is, is a survival of the fittest, and it's brought us to where we are in the world in terms of the quality of our life. And sometimes companies lose and go out of business because maybe they're bad companies. We'll get to that in a lot more detail a little bit later on down the line, folks. Okay, but if you're a stock and bondholder, yep, there's all kinds of risks. And the way you deal with that is to do lots of, uh, own lots of them, do some homework, and be responsible for your money. But anyway, get, getting back to the stock and bondholders, it's pretty much zero, folks. We'll see. The bondholders might get a dollar or two back. We'll see how that all shakes out. The bank just declared bankruptcy, okay? And we'll go from there. Okay, so <clears throat> now a couple other things. One extremely scary thing happened with this Silicon Valley Bank that I have to spend some time on because it's terrifying from my point of view. Okay, you're going to, most people won't think so, but I need to explain. So the FDIC steps up, okay, and has all the depositors who have $250,000 left, they're made whole by the FDIC. By the way, they probably had to borrow a few bucks from the government to, by the way, the FDIC does not have on hand, it has $1.27 for every hundred bucks, okay, so... Every once in a while, in really bad times, okay, they have to go to the treasury to borrow money that they'll never pay back, okay, to bail out the stockholder. So these are taxpayer, it's supposed to be bank funded, the FDIC, okay, but sometimes that doesn't work, okay, and sometimes the FDIC has to go to the general treasury fund to borrow some money because they don't have the cash, sort of a thing. I would love to know in history how many times they've done that and how much the dollars are, but it would take the rest of my life to do the research to do that in the Federal Register, and it can't happen. But anyway, but bottom line is that's how it works, and this this is good, okay, for the insured depositors. So who should really pay for it should be the banks themselves, but we can come back to that as well. Okay, so here's the really scary thing. Okay, so the government in place... Okay, said, we think that the Silicon Valley Bank is so important. By the way, it's the third largest bank in the country, folks. Okay, it got that way. Greedy people putting money in there and greedy tech companies. But anyway, bottom line is they said, you know what we're going to do this time? We're going to bail out everybody in the bank and all of the depositors that have more than $250,000 in that bank. In that bank... Some, they had $210 billion of assets. Somewhere 90% of those assets were uninsured. Wow. Okay, folks, okay, in the bank, your money is insured up to $250. i am good with that. Anything more than that, <clears throat> it has not been insured before, and it's your risk. 
putting that money in the bank. Any place you put money, including the mattress, has risk. You want to think about what it is and what the implications are, folks. But but bottom line is the government says, oh, we'll help out all those depositors. Do we want to get into the conspiracy theories? Let's see. I'm betting a whole bunch of tech billionaires, Kirk, okay, and I'm betting a, a whole bunch of hedge fund guys who had some money. They're calling their politicians and government and saying, we need some help, you have to bail us out. So the government used regulation created way back in 2007-89 where they declared that the Silicon Valley Bank is a systematic risk to the government and we have to help it out. By the way, back in 2007-89, there were eight or ten huge banks that the government said, these banks are too big to fail. We're going to help them out because they're a core of the country. I'm okay with that as long as they ultimately pay for their own sins, not the government, but that's, mm. a, that's another story. Okay, so anyway, so the government issued, said, this is a systemic risk. We're going to pay all of the depositors, all of the insured, un, uninsured money. I, that is a terrifying, terrifying prospect. Okay. Okay. And let's go to Peter in Duxbury. Good morning, Peter. How the heck are you today? I'm okay. Thank you. I'm just listening in the car. Yep. And my question of, to verify, you said $250,000 is insured. That's correct. Would that be per Person, husband, wife, perhaps? No, it's just per person, not per account. Okay. Got it. Got it. Good, good question. Any other questions for me? Not at this time. I just wanted to verify. Thank you right. so much. Enjoy the, enjoy the show. Stay tuned. We're going to have some fun here if you can stay tuned. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Anyway, so folks, so the shareholders that were not insured are getting bailed out. Okay. So let me think about this. First of all, the government, first of all, that's a precedent Kirk, you can't go back in that. The next time a bank fails, you're going to say, wait a minute, over here. So it that, is, is, that is the definition of a president. Yeah, that is the definition of a president. So what that means is, okay, ultimately people are going to say, I got no worries, all my money in the bank. If, you got no wor if people don't pay attention and don't take responsibility, bad things can happen and they happen regularly. I think. So anyway, the fact that they did it, that is terrifying. Now, I'm trying to piece together this stuff, folks, and I only know what I read. I might read a little bit more than most folks listening here, but so... Over the weekend, the FDIC borrowed $40 billion from the general treasury. Okay, that was a start. That was more than enough, I think, to cover the insured deposits. I think, I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist in general, but what I think happened is some very important folks said to the government, we need you to bail us out. Okay, and the FDIC was the only entity that could possibly do that. So they went and borrowed $40 billion over the weekend from the Treasury. By the way, they put it back Monday. They borrowed it on Saturday, I think, put it back Monday. Why? Because over the weekend, here's another precedent, Kirk, scares the crap out of me, okay? They created a brand new government entity over the weekend. Brand new, okay? And it's called the, let me get this right here, it's called the Bank Term Funding, bank term lending fund. I'll, it's something or other. I'll get that back in a minute, Kirk. But anyway, they created. Was it, was it like submitted like on a napkin? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Probably. Maybe two napkins because it was probably mm -hmm. the bank term funding program. I think that's what they called it. Anyway, it's just a brand new government entity. Just what we need. More government. Okay. And, the, and this program, okay, so what they're going to do is they're going to cover the uninsured depositors by lending government bonds to the bank so that they can pay 
the depositors. Now, that this is not a bailout. They're lending the bonds to the government. They're not, this is a bailout. This is, the government said this is not a bailout. We're, we're lending the bonds. We'll get our money back in the, on the bonds. Wait a minute. If you're lending your bonds to the bank that's poor performance, what are the chances you get all your money back for starters? Kirk, the other thing they did, and there are some, most of our listeners m- might not quite get this, but, okay, government bonds can go up or down in value. Yeah, the Silicon Valley's bank went down by $1.8 billion. The bonds, Kirk, that they're going to lend going forward, they're going to lend them at par value, $1,000, and they'll always be worth $1,000. Okay, so if Silicon, if some other bank loses money, they get to go cash a government bond at $1,000 that might be worth 900 Who's paying for that? Okay, yeah. folks, it's a bailout. Okay, okay. But by the way, I'm getting too excited here. Okay, if somebody wants to give me a call with any government politician that actually apologized for something, said they screwed up, and are going to try to make it better. I'm curious, okay? We have a blame game, okay? Nobody ever accepts responsibility for what this is. The government caused this, folks. I'll get back to that in a little while. But anyway, the FDIC didn't need that money because the government said, that we got this new committee, we're just going to lend out bonds. Okay, write this down. Taxpayers are going to pay some way, shape, or form some of that deal like we always do. Kirk, I got to take a breath. You have any comments? I got to calm down here for a minute. Yeah, calm down. Yeah, yeah. okay. Deep breaths. I was thinking about these people that had more than 250000 at the bank. You can increase your coverage by just putting, spreading money out over different banks. There you go. So it's not, it's not like there wasn't a solution for these people. And presumably these are intelligent people. Yep. And, and obviously had more than enough money to begin with. Yep. That probably don't need to be paid back. But yeah, you can just, you put your money at different banks and there's $250,000 FDIC per bank. So it's not, I think there, so there was just some, you know, some laziness too. Yeah. Yep, there was. I'll get to lack of government regulations and new laws to cover that up in a little while here. But yeah, okay. So this is where we sit. And there's been a couple of other banks. Okay, perhaps not the smartest of banks with their portfolios or government bonds. Okay, that are in trouble, and you've been reading about them as well. Is it a contagion? I don't think so, folks. But here's the point. Kirk, I was going to save this to the last half hour of the show, but I'm sorry. I, I think it's so cool i got to say it now. You can't wait? So, can't wait? I can't, okay. I can't wait for this. Okay, so folks. Okay, so imagine a guy or a gal. Okay, they need some money. <clears throat> they walk into the bank and apply for a loan. All right, follow me so far? Okay. Yeah. So that person, when the bank says, what do you look like financially? The person says, well, I owe $32 trillion, okay, of money. And the bank says, that's interesting. How about your cash flow? And the person says, last year I spent $1.4 trillion more than I had. Okay. And so my question is, do you think that person's going to get a loan from the bank? Uh, Probably not. By the way, what do you figure that person's credit rating is? I don't know. It's got to be below zero. Zero is worse than zero. Okay. can't be good. What does that person look like? That person is backing up your money in the bank, and that person is backing up government bonds that are issued that are guaranteed. Okay. Think about that, folks. We don't have enough money. We're so far in the hole as a result of government in general being financially irresponsible in general for a long time, okay? The guarantee is good and in normal times, fine. 
if Armageddon ever comes, it ain't going to work, folks. Okay, if Armageddon ever comes, okay, we're going to end up like Argentina or Brazil with a 150% inflation, okay, and all kinds of bad things. I hope it never does. If it does, it's going to be caused by us with our $32 trillion worth of money. Last year, the federal government borrowed $1.4 trillion more than they had. Make things work break-even-wise. What's wrong with this picture? Okay, so my point is not to create panic and sell, send people back to their mattresses with their money. My point is, okay, in normal times, the guarantee is fine, okay, and we can handle it, and hopefully the banks pay all of that, although I doubt that. I don't know how much the government has bailed out that, but it was probably well-spent money. But more than two, take a hike. You're on your you're on your own. And by the way, the same thing, treasury bonds and treasury bills, the safest investments on the earth. As long as we keep printing money, they're safe. Okay, and I'll get to some of the consequences of that, federal budget-wise, in a little while. Okay, but don't get lulled into contentment with a guarantee. It should, you should be fully aware of how that guarantee is backed. Okay, how much money is there to protect you? If we have Armageddon, no guarantees are going to help you folks. Okay, I have to laugh. But the Standard & Poor's 500, as an example, 500 of the biggest companies in America. Let's see. Kirk, we have to say, you got to watch out for the risk. Nothing is guaranteed in our investment business. Those companies can go down in value. You can lose all your money. Not, but we have to say that, right? Because we, we don't have the G word we can use in our business, right? Guarantee. Let me think about this, okay? Of those 500 companies right now in the Standard & Poor's 500, I'll bet you... 475 of them are in pretty darn good shape, okay, paying their bills, living within their budgets, and a lot more financially stable than the U.S. government. I'll take those 500 companies and the fact that they bounce up and down because we get nervous once in a while. They, their creditworthiness is better than the U.S. government. I'm sorry. They're living within their means. They have reserves. They pay their bills. They pay their bondholders. Okay. Well, they've got shareholders and boards yep. that yep. are keeping an eye on them. There you go. One of the things that I hope to accomplish here is you might want to look at stocks and bonds as risky investments a little less scarily here because I, the 500 biggest companies in America, a whole bunch of them are a whole lot more financially stable than our government. You know, take, think about that, folks. And by the way, you can own a bunch of them and may, maybe make a few bucks more than the bank span you for the rest of your life. Yeah, a little exciting, but that's okay, too. Okay, so let me think about what else is. Yeah, okay, so basically the fact that they declared it a systemic risk and paid off everybody with a new entity is absolutely terrifying because we don't have enough money to do that tomorrow and we're going to lull people into being even less responsible or less monitoring of their investments. That's just not healthy. Okay? 781-837-4900. Let me take a deep breath here. Okay. So I would say the rich get richer, but they just the rich get made whole. Uh, yeah, and they can call the government and tell them to pay their money to their uninsured depositors or something like that. Uh, I, whatever. Okay. So... So, folks, I'm not a conspiracy theory nut. I think most of our government either is unwise financially or in the CYA mood, okay? It wasn't me, the thing, and we can go from there. But anyway, so b bank regulation, government actions. Let's think about that for a minute, okay? You're going to hear, see, and watch all kinds of politicians pounding the table and wanting to know, where? If you pound the table on the radio, it makes a lot of noise, I think. But yeah, don't. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I got carried away for a minute there. But yeah. okay, they're pounding the table saying, where are the bank regulators? How come they didn't know about this? We're gonna, they're always shooting at somebody because it looks good. Okay, so here's the deal. The FDIC 
apparently was aware of what's going on. Okay, bank the bank regulators were aware of some of the problems. I read a couple of articles of, from respectable sources of news that that they had an idea of what was going on. Why they didn't do anything, I don't know. Okay, I have my theories about that. Okay, and again, this is okay. Here, this is, here's my theory. So, let's see. In this case, where were the bank regulators? And the bank regulators are going to say, "There's not enough of us. We can't." possibly monitor all these banks and the government's going to say let's just either get some more bank regulators to do the work or let's just make some tougher new laws that we can't enforce and sound like we're doing something okay so th th think about it. what does the government do by the way the government caused a good chunk of this problem by raising interest rates too fast we'll get to that in a little while folks too but the bottom line is you know wh you know what what do what does your government do about this? There's going to be inquisitions. They're going to take shots at the bank folks who, by the way, the president of the bank cashed out a whole bunch of money like three days before the bank went under. So they're going to take shots at the bankers, rightfully. They're going to take shots at the regulators. Yeah, probably rightfully, because in the case of the Silicon Valley Bank, there were some people supposedly paying attention to it. Okay. And they're going to say, how come we're not doing the work? You know, same thing with the SEC, Kirk, and the examiners for the SEC for financial advisors. There's not enough. Same thing for the IRS, by the way. There's not enough IRS people to take care of all the taxes, but they never give the IRS any more money. Eh, yada, yada, yada. But so that what's going to happen in the news as a result of this is you're going to hear all kinds of politicians ranting and railing. And what will ultimately be done, okay, is either we'll have some brand new whiz-bang regulations that we can't enforce because we're not enforcing the ones now, okay, or they'll make the government bigger and add more regulators to do a job that they can't do already anyway. The thing, this is how the government gets bigger, pardon my conspiracy theory, because they help us, okay, with sometimes with some problems they made on their own. But anyway, so I don't know why it didn't happen if they were aware of the problems of Silicon Valley Bank. If I'm a bank regulator, if I'm the, the chief of the bank regulator department, I'm saying, okay, we're going to pick out the top 20% of the biggest banks, and those are the ones we're going to regulate, and because those were where the money is, and maybe we can't get to the little ones as often. It's unrealistic, I think, for that to, to be the case. So it's going to be bigger government or more regulations or more committees and it's going to hit the fan again sometime down the road, and it's the same thing. And all the while, we're adding trillions of dollars to a debt that's going to come back and haunt us if we're not careful about it going forward. I think we have the ability, but not the will, to deal with that. Come to that in a little while as well. Okay, it, it is amazing, okay? Okay, so the, the, the government, what was the, that, that's it. Either more government help to figure it out, or we need stricter laws and therefore bigger government. Anyway, I, I, I don't know how it all works. Okay, 781-837-4900. The only dumb question is the one that you don't ask. Yep, and there are some other banks that are in the news as well. There's a bank called Bank. There's a pretty large Swiss bank. Okay, okay. there's a number of banks folks, okay, that are probably in tighter financial conditions now because interest rates, okay, have gone up, okay, and, and their costs have gone up as well. So the government bonds that banks own, okay, there's a lot of them down in value now. So there's a whole bunch of banks that are 
going to probably wake up with a dope slap and start to try to be more sensible about all this. All that means is that they're going to charge you more for the loans and pay you less for your interest to fix that. But that's the way it should be. We, I think we have a little bit too much government interference in things from time to time. Okay, And the banks is a perfect example of this. I don't know what the solution is. But how it's working now, we we don't avoid Armageddons or disasters. We have them all the time. And sooner or later, we're going to have a really big one if we're not careful about that. Okay, here's, let's see, regulated, make news, regulations, study committee. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. They also have a study committee. They'll also come up with a brand new. It's always the same. I'm sorry, folks. It's just always the same. So here's my take. Okay, again, not Democrats, Republicans, the government, not presidents, this, that, the, the government. So you make some laws. How many laws do we have? And this, did we, if we make five new laws, do we get a, rid of five old ones that don't make any sense anymore? How many laws do we have in this country? Okay, how do you, how do you enforce all of those? If they keep making laws, how, how does that work? Okay, in, in our business, Kirk, and it, it's not very favorable anymore, it's changing, but financial advisors, they, they come into two different basic types of registered investment advisors and registered representatives, and that's fading too. But the bottom line is that as registered investment advisors, and we happen to be that, okay, we're required to just do the right thing and the best thing for your clients all the time. And if you have some common sense, is that right? Is that wrong? Is that good for the client? Uh, yeah, you know, certainly hope that 99% of the folks listening to this can get a pretty good idea between right and wrong and maybe we're smart enough and responsible enough to make our own decisions about taking care of things. So the, the we're governed not by rules but by common sense, okay? And sure, there's some rules in our business, but okay, they, that's how we operate, okay? On the other side, they have more rules and regulations than you can possibly imagine, okay? Th- those are called rules-based versus basically ethics-based. And I think most people are ethical if you gave a chance, but, but the government doesn't seem to do that. Anyway, I'm running on here. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. 